Welcome to Grown Up Kids, a Disney podcast. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Grown Up Kids. This episode is sponsored by Deidre. Thank you for being super awesome and keeping this podcast going. Thanks, Deidre. So I'm Katie. And I'm Megan. And this week, it's just us. This is the first time. Mm -hmm. Nobody wanted to watch The Living Desert with us. (laughs) (laughs) So we have no Disney profiles, nothing like that. Just going to dive right into it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, as I just said, today we're going to be discussing The Living Desert, which is the first in the full-length True Life Adventure films. Mm-hmm. So. But we're still doing a 30-second Disney day. <laughs> Would you like to go first? Sure. We literally just watched this. Like, 10 minutes ago. So, I'm going to do my best. I think actually like I have a good idea of what I want to say, so I'm impressed. I stayed awake for the whole thing. She did. I'll vouch for her. <laughs> I'll say I'll say more about that at the end. I have something that I want to say about these movies lately. So Okay. Uh oh. Alright, ready? Set? Go. So we get to hear and learn all about desert life. In North America, we start during the daytime and see all of the animals in the day. Then we go to night and we see the bats flying around and learn about all the nighttime predators. And then we see the early morning hours. And then we just learn about, like, the flowers of the desert and everything with, like, the heavy rains. Um, and it is just, like, a really good all-around... I don't know. It's It just, like, shows you everything with the desert. 28. I'll take it. That was good. Yeah. That recapped the whole thing my turn mine's not gonna be as good oh did you write one well i just wrote things i wanted to talk about but that can kind of go into i guess ready no set go so we learn all about the desert we learn about some birds that live in cactuses who knew turtles make their own water there's desert raccoons which is pretty cool um really scary pigs bobcats that fight pigs um really scary tarantulas hawks and scorpions that do square dancing and then we end with really cool flower sequences yeah 22 seconds yeah yeah not really a recap i mean oh it's a recap not really like a dash because it's not really a story a disney dash is just supposed to be about a summary of what you watched so that's good then success yeah All right, so some history on The Living Desert. It's a 1953 American nature documentary film. Um, It shows everyday life of animals in the desert, and it takes place in the southwestern U.S. So the movie was written by James Alger, Winston Hibbler, Jack Moffitt, and Ted Sears. It was uh, directed by Alger and Hibbler. Uh, Hibbler was the narrator. The film was... Filmed in (laughs) Tucson, Arizona, and it won the 1953 Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. Way to go, Walt. Um, It's featured in the 2006 DVD Walt Disney Legacy Collection, Volume 2, Lands of Exploration. Those are very hard to come by. 
I and if you do come by them, they're very expensive. <laughs> um, and as I said before, The Living Desert was the first feature-length film in Disney's True Life Adventure series of documentaries focusing on zoological studies. He had done some short short films on it before this, but this was the first feature-length one. This is like the start of like what Earth. eventually has led to like Earth and oceans and I there's there's something else too, but and, like, comparing that to this is, like, it's kind of funny, but at the same time, it's, like, it still has, like, all the same the ones roots. The ones that are now, like, Earth and Oceans and everything, those are a little bit more serious, yeah. honestly, Yeah. these. Like, this was, and we can get into this later, but this was delivered in a very Disney way, mm-hmm. whereas I think that the Earth and Oceans... Um, it's much them more being serious. more serious about it. Yeah, much more, like... And like obviously was... much better... Camera technology. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, we'll, yeah, we'll discuss that in a little bit. I don't want to get into it too much. So, fun facts. Bear with me because this is the first time I'm reading them verbatim completely all the way through. So, hopefully I don't trip up too much. So, like Meg said, this documentary documentary was filmed in Tucson, Arizona. Most of the wildlife shown in the film was donated and would soon become the Arizona Sonora? Desert Museum. Um, the film was inspired by 10 minutes of footage shot by N. Paul Kenworthy Jr., who was a doctoral student at the University of California at Los Angeles. So his footage of a battle between a tarantula and a wasp intrigued Walt. and That he, was a really cool part. Yeah, it really was. And he funded a feature-length production following the lives of diverse desert species. So he was highly supportive of Kenworthy's work and its impact on nonfiction filmmaking, stating, this is where we can tell a real sustained story for the first time in these nat- in these nature pictures. It's <clears throat> pretty cool. Yeah. I have something in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> so prior to the production of The Living Desert, Disney was releasing his films through RKO Radio Production or Pictures. So every time every the movie single, opens, yeah, you I see that logo. I hadn't been saying it because it seemed repetitive, but mm-hmm. like literally every single movie up to this point was released through RKO Radio Pictures. But apparently they were having some problems. So due to a long frayed relationship with that studio, um, with which had little enthusiasm for the producer's documentary releases, so I guess they weren't really a fan of Walt of doing movies, this. Which, I'm um, um, just saying, it won an Oscar. Yeah. Bad judgment, RKO. Disney was like, you know what? Fine. We're done. Severing ties with RKO. I'm creating my own subsidiary, and that is where Buena Vista Distribution came from, and he named it after the street where his office was located. So I believe, is that still... Or is that, like, where all... That's pretty much all the future animation that's coming up. Buena Vista, like, pops up instead of RKO It's turned now. into Walt Disney Studios right. motion pictures. But, yeah, I mean, Thank it was... You. It's the same distribution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, they've, they've never gone to anyone else. Walt was just like, you know what? I'm going to do, do it my something? own way. Yeah. You want to do something right? Kinda you got to do it yourself. sounds like... Handsome. <laughs> You're going to say that. <laughs> Hanson started their own production company. Yeah, this worked out well for them. Shout so. out to those handsome bros. <laughs> so, The Living Desert received some criticism for bringing unsubtle humor to its scenes of desert life, which I actually really liked about this movie. Um, Bosley Crowther, 
of the New York Times called Disney to task for adding jokey musical effects to several of the film's scenes, including hoedown <laughs> music for a sequence involving a scorpion battle. Nonetheless, the film was a commercial success. Um, in the U.S., the U.S. $300,000 production. Oh, that's how much it cost. Mm-hmm. Actually grossed $4 million at the box office. So, not bad. Yeah. For a film uh, that not bad. I don't think anyone has really done in a way like this before that i know of but yeah. who knows um so the academy award that disney earned for the living desert helped the producer make history as the individual with the most oscar wins in a single year so at the 26th academy awards in addition to winning the best documentary feature oscar which was what he won for this right mm-hmm. he also won the academy award for best animated short film for toot whistle plunk and boom the Academy Award for Best Documentary Short Subject for The Alaskan Eskimo, and the Academy Award for Best Short Subject Too Real for Bear Country. Are we hmm. watching those or are those done? Now? Those are like shorts, so they're not in our list, but I mean, we could. Maybe those will be extra magic hours. Yeah. So, in addition to its Oscar, the film also won the International Prize at the 1954 Keynes Film Festival which is an award at the Berlin Film Festival and a Special Achievement Award from the Golden Globe Awards. And That's awesome. in 2000, the film was selected for, for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. He's got a lot of films in there. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's a fan of Walt over there at the Library of Congress. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, our fun facts were, like, as educational as the film. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those <laughs> could have just gone with history, but, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, okay. So, there's not really any characters to talk about or anything. So, what I wanted to say about these films the past couple of weeks is I wanted to apologize if I seemed uninterested in the past couple films, but I think that this one may have rekindled my rejuvenated you yeah like it was not what i expected Mm -mm. um i was literally expecting this movie to be a snooze fest i was like (laughs) oh my god i don't want to do this one and like i felt kind of bad because i feel like i've kind of been a little i don't know i guess not as invested in some of these movies as i want to be well you know the living desert is no lady in the tramp or something like exactly. that exactly you know i mean it's not so it's an like, animated fun cute film but going into this project of doing this podcast like i knew that that was gonna be a problem <laughs> right. um like oh you know i'm just gonna want to keep getting to the animated ones but like i really want to make myself watch these like they're historical they're I mean, they're typical Disney history that, like, I feel like I should know about, you know? Like, I'm a huge Disney fan, so I want to understand all of it. I'm nodding vigorously in the background, by the way. (laughs) Right. Um, so, but anyway, these, I didn't, I did not expect to like the, uh, True Life Adventure films at at all. all. Because it's like, I, you know, I like Earth and I like oceans and... I think there's one like i thought you're just like i like the earth <laughs> <laughs> i understand um like i i appreciate how beautiful the imagery is and like i love learning about those kinds of things um but you know these being filmed in the 50s i kind of have this like stigma against old films and it's i, I don't know she does. yeah like as soon as i as soon as i can like 
hear or see the first like five seconds of the film, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to like this. It's old. Um, but this one was really good. And I liked that it brought humor to, you know, like, forget that critic. I thought that that was great. It was typical Disney. He was being educational, but he was bringing fun to it. He wanted to have good music be associated with it. He, you know, of course he had to throw in his little bits of animation too, and like the storytelling in the beginning. And I think there was even a little bit in the middle, which was like, it brought up the map again or something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Like whenever they were talking about the winds and then like, uh, the mountains stopped the winds and that's like what formed the desert. Um, and then it, it was animated again when he was talking about the sandstorms, I believe how it was like blowing the sand across. I don't know. Yeah, no, it did a little bit. You're right. So like, I liked that there were those little bits of animation and they weren't like kitschy. They made sense. They fit with it. Um, it wasn't weird. It was like, a typical, in, uh, so dear to my heart. Where it's right. Like, mm, it was like, Oh, that's really random. need to have those in there. But. Right. Um, but this, like it was, it was the typical beginning to a Disney film with, you know, like the, the first image with like the name of the film. And then it went into a little bit of animation. And then the narration was like, he, the guy who narrated, it just had like a very good he had voice. A good delivery. Yeah. Yeah. He was just like a good voice for narrator, which I'm sh- obviously, um, but I don't know. Yeah. This kind of like rejuvenated me a little bit for this project. And I don't know if I'm going to the- say the same after Rob Roy and the Highland rogue, but you know, maybe because right after that, there's another true life adventure film. There's like a, actually the next couple of weeks, there's like quite a few of these, which is, I'm kind of excited about. Well, you know, with everything you do in life, there's, there's peaks and valleys. Yeah. But I, this one, I liked it. Brought so, you back up. Yeah. Um, okay. So favorite parts. Wait, I have something to say. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, in Mary Poppins, when she makes it a game for the kids to do like their chores or to learn something. Yes. It's what Walt did here. He's the agree. Mary Poppins of like of the keeping desert. an adult interested <laughs> in learning desert facts and presenting it like not in like a kid way, but like in a way that was easy to understand, kept me interested the entire time. In a Disney way. Yes, in a very Disney way. It was cute. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. That's all I had to say. Okay. Walt was Mary Poppins. He was. <laughs> Um, so what is your favorite, like, segment of the movie? I wrote down all my favorite segments. Okay. There's a lot, because I just wanted to bring them up, because I thought they were super cool, because I learned a lot of new things today. So, like I said in my dash, birds live in cactuses. Oh, yeah, like, the the woodpeckers lived in the cactuses. That's cool. And then other birds, like, clear out a little spot in the middle where all the prickers are, and then use that for their nests, and then they're protected, because they have a whole, like barbed fortress. wire fortress yeah that's yeah. ingenious i just literally never thought about anything living in a cactus before i agree turtles make their own water Fun that was fact. cool who knew also kangaroo rats rats there's desert raccoons like i said what were they called cute. again like koi oh, it was like remember. a koi koity <laughs> <laughs> i'm totally gonna look it up but they were co- they were super cool they kind of looked like their noses were super weird, and but they were cute. A coatus. A codus. A codus. Yes. A codus. Yeah. Who knew there were more than one raccoon out there? 
Um, they have like super long noses. Mm-hmm. There's furry pigs that are like mean, and they're they're long tusks and oh short tempers. Oh my god, they're like growls were terrifying. They chased a bobcat up a cactus. A bobcat. Oh, and I felt so bad for the bobcat because at the end it like it was trying to lick its paw because oh. I think it had prickers in it. Yeah. And oh, I know no. that bobcats probably aren't always nice, but they're a cat and I like cats. <laughs> who knew that like this group of pigs could chase this bobcat up a cactus? Yeah. Um mine and Meg's biggest fears faced off together. Which mm-hmm. was pretty cool. There was a uh, I mean terrifying but cool. I don't remember what kind of snake it was, but it was a snake. It was which a is rattle. Meg's fear, and then a tarantula, which I just hate all spiders, especially giant ones. I think it was a rattlesnake. They went at it because it was following the mouse. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, there's too many tarantulas in this movie. Um, when the hawk is trying to catch bats and he can't, and it goes, "Oh, old butterclaws." <laughs> 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 That's probably my favorite. <laughs> The narration on the hawk trying to catch a bat was hilarious. It was like, it's ever persistent. (laughs) Also, that was like Harry trying to catch a letter in the air. Oh my god, I know. Two more things. The scorpion square dancing. Oh my god. I tried so hard to find the lyrics, and I can't find them anywhere. So if anyone can, please. Because I wanted to read them on here, because I thought it would be funny. Really? I can't find them. I can find the video. So at very least... We can post just that little clip of the video because it's just so funny. We're just laughing the whole time. And lastly, it was super cool to see those flowers at the end because no one can literally sit and watch a flower move. I mean, you could, but you probably wouldn't see it. You know what I mean? Like, you need to watch it in, like, sped up time to, like, see. And Meg was like, you know what? It kind of freaks me out because they're, like alive and i was like yeah i mean like (laughs) i are i've always known obviously that flowers are alive oh stingery maybe if you search that i did you can't find it really yes i'm telling you i mean i hope i'm i hope it's easier for you than me because i really want to read these lyrics stingery the living the living desert it brings up videos which is great but you know hmm We'll post the video of just yeah. that clip because if you don't see any of the other rest of the movie, you need to see that. Agreed. It's hilarious. But yeah, those are all my favorites. Um, I was going to say that my favorite scene was the scorpion square dance because <laughs> it was just so hilarious. It was like, it, you know, first of all, he, <laughs> like the screenplay of it at this part, it's like an owl watching all of these different animals mating in the middle of the night yeah so it like starts with oh what does it start with because the scorpion is like the second thing that you they have see tarantulas tarantulas beetles are after the scorpions i think maybe it was the tarantulas because it's like they tell the story of like romeo oh, yeah. and juliet <laughs> for the tarantulas it's like romeo comes knocking at juliet's door and then juliet comes out and she swoons and it was like and he wraps his arms around her all eight of them <laughs> yeah and then it was the scorpion square dance yeah and then it was the beetles 
And it, like the whole time this owl is like watching this happen. So as the scorpion square dance is going on, it like pans to the owl. And then you can tell what they're doing with the video is they're like going forward and then backwards and forward and backwards to like try and make the scorpions look like they're dancing. And the owl. Yeah. But then they do it with the owl too. Oh. So he's like, he's looking, he's looking left and then he's looking right. And then it like reverses and he's right and then left. And then he's like doing this little roundabout thing with his head. Jamming. <laughs> and it looks like he's dancing to the square <laughs> dance of the scorpions it was great <sighs> so good yeah i will shout out also that i know this is old and obviously the camera movement is not what like oceans is gonna be now or any kind of documentary now but the for the times god they got some really nice close-up shots yeah i agree also side note you could totally make a horror film of just bug legs walking oh across the street. Oh my gosh, yeah. They were, like, showing close-up video of the centipede and the millipede. Blah. I could, if I watched that for too long, I think I'd have nightmares. It was terrible. It was gross. It was terrible. It was kind of it cool to like, see, but gross. I feel like it would be so easy for a centipede or a millipede to, like, trip over itself, but it doesn't. <laughs> like, it was, like, seriously, it had to move <laughs> at, like, the perfect moment for all of its legs <laughs> to just like follow themselves that if one of them got stuck it would just like be done for this is why i married her guys right here i'm serious That's awesome um, oh least favorite probably the bug legs it was just gross <laughs> i didn't like any of like the insecty things that we were learning about i also really didn't like the part where they were talking about the kangaroo rats and then there was like a king snake and the king snake was like going into the den to get the babies but like thankfully the mom got them away but it just like made me sad that that happens yeah I know. like what if the kangaroo rat wasn't fast enough and then all three of them died there were two babies and a mama it was a close call lots of times dang those snakes get out of here i think my least favorite was any time a giant tarantula was on the screen because i don't yeah, like them at all that was kind of a lot yeah had a lot of FaceTime. There were also... Oh, I also didn't like the Sidewinder. Creepy. Also, I didn't realize how small they were. They were really little. Like, the kangaroo rat looked huge, huge next to it. I guess that gives me hope that it's, like, easy for me to get away from it. Because it's so little. Because you're still. clearly going to be in the desert. Uh, but... Right? Ugh, snakes. Gross. Yeah. Oh, there was something else. Oh, before we move on, before I forget, something else that was cool that I liked was when all those ants swarmed the wasp. that wasp and they like worked together as this team and they were totally BA. Yeah, they like almost took that wasp down. Little ants. I also, that scene, so like clearly that was like the, that scene with the wasp and the tarantula was like the inspiration for this film to oh, even yeah, be a yeah. thing. Um. But it was kind of sad to watch. Like, as much as I don't like tarantulas, to, like, see it just get paralyzed like yeah. that by the wasp and then carried away like a teddy bear almost. Like, it was just lifeless, you know? Like a stuffed animal. I think most people would say a ragdoll. I a guess. A teddy bear. Whatever. Okay. The tarantula bear. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know you. Well, that's all. Ah, uh, what'd you take away from it? That I like the true life adventure films. I did not have high hopes for them. Mm -mm. Because the past couple films, it's honestly, it's like made me question how much I like Disney. I'm like, oh shoot. 
I don't like like any of these films that we've been watching hardly. It made me feel bad. I was like, well, I guess I have just always been raised on like animation, you know, but this helped me appreciate Disney's humor in like more of a real life setting. Shout out to Skinny. <laughs> oh my God, that part was so funny. <laughs> Shout out to Skinny. <laughs> oh, Skinny. Oh, Skinny. <laughs> <laughs> Defender of the ground squirrels. <laughs> oh. I'm going to take away, one, all the fun facts that I said in my favorite parts, and two, to not close myself off from future movies that I think I won't like, because there's been a couple where I'm like, oh, I'm going to hate this, and I love it, and this is another example of that. Yeah, like, I didn't really super care for the sword and the rose, but, like, the, but Robin Hood was okay treasure island treasure island was good mm-hmm. yeah a lot of these movies i'm finding like i watch them and then as i reflect on them i, I like, like them, like them more. even more yeah plus it helps talking to our guests because most of the time when they're on the f- they the like guest, that movie the, yeah i can't speak words they like it and they help me to like it more uh-huh so <sighs> anything else to add i don't think so zipped right through that well, it's just two opinions. <laughs> True. So we'll just roll right into our Disney memory. So this one comes from Kristen Hepler. She says, hello, Megan and Katie. I am so very excited to be sharing my favorite Disney memory with you and the amazing listeners of this podcast. You are correct. They are all amazing. Mm-hmm. I have so many great ones, but I think I finally managed to narrow it down. I feel like I should first tell everyone that I have never been to any of the parks yet. That being said, most of my memories regarding Disney usually revolve around watching the VHSs on our old chunky television. Clunky. (laughs) Clunky television. (laughs) It's late. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) There was nothing better. (laughs) The one I asked you. Sorry. Oh my god. The L and U made an H in my head, okay? Chunky television. There was nothing Sorry, better Kristen. in my mind as a child than seeing that iconic castle flash across the screen. I agree. I can still see it clearly in my mind, even as I type this email. I can see it as I read it. I can hear the music, too. My specialist memory as a child, which still sticks to me to this day, was one night when my dad pointed out to me in the newspaper TV guide, remember when those were a thing? <laughs> that Lady and the Tramp would be playing that night. I remember toting my blankets and stuffed animals up to my grandmother's bedroom, who had lived with us since before I was born, and watching it with her snuggled under her big quilts. Still to this day, I can't watch Lady and the Tramp without having a tear in my eye, especially now that my, grandfa- my grandmother has been gone for over ten years. Thank you for putting together such a fun and informative podcast. I have learned so many amazing facts about the movies that I thought I already knew everything about. I'm so excited to keep listening, especially when you get to Lady and the Tramp. Thank you again for reading my favorite Disney memory. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Kristen. Yeah, thank you. I love, you know, like, I I can't remember who it was or what the exact story was, but there was, like, one memory that really involved someone's dad and, like, they really held that close to their heart. And, like, you can hold this memory close to your heart with your grandma. Mm-hmm. That's really sweet. Like, like again, I'll always, yeah, I mean, like, I'll always hold Cinderella close to my heart because it's my mom's favorite. And Right, like, when um, Meg's mom was going through some heart troubles mm-hmm. at the hospital, um, and the first night we stayed away from her from the hospital, Meg was like, I just, I just want to watch Cinderella. That's all I want to do. And it made her feel better, and I thought that was really sweet and cute. 
So Disney is really powerful. Disney keeps families together, man. Mm-hmm. It's very nostalgic. Mm-hmm. It holds a lot of memories. Also, Lady and the Tramp is such a good movie. Yes. Sadly, I've only so, seen it a couple since times. Since you've never been to any of the Disney parks yet, when you go to Magic Kingdom, oh. you have to eat at Tony's Town Square and get spaghetti and meatballs, just like Lady and Tramp. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. And just tell them that you're celebrating your birthday, and then you'll get a card signed by Lady and Tramp. <laughs> And maybe, like, some other special things. But I won't ruin it because you should experience the magic yourself. And if you go for an anniversary and you tell them, they give you the red checkered tablecloth. So, oh, is that what you weren't going to? Well, that, they don't do that for a birthday. So that's oh. why I said for your anniversary. Okay. They, like, it's really special and cute. It is really cute. They let me and so. Meg do the... um. Spaghetti. The we spaghetti. shared a spaghetti noodle yeah. and they took our picture. It was really fun. It was really cute. On our honeymoon. Yes. So thank you again, Kristen, for sharing your memory. And if you would like to have your Disney memory featured on our show, please email us at grownupkidspodcast at gmail.com. It can be anything Disney related, just like Kristen showed. You know, she's never been to the parks, but she still had a really solid, amazing memory to share with us. Any memory is solid. Yes. So send it our way and we'll be sure to read it on a future episode. So Grown Up Kids can be found on Podbean, iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. So make sure you subscribe so you can be sure to get our latest episode as soon as it's available. You can also find us on Facebook at Grown Up Kids, a Disney podcast, and Twitter and Instagram at Grown Up Kids Pod. You can also join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Grown Up Kids Pod to gain access to our bonus episodes, which are called the Extra Magic Hours. I thought you were going to forget. I'm so sorry. Make sure you head on over to our Facebook group discussion as well, because I have posted the comprehensive list of our movies that we'll be watching in order, along with the availability to be on the show with us. So if you're interested in joining us on an episode, um, so, okay, so side note, I just got a message from somebody saying that they felt rude asking if they wanted to be on it. Absolutely. Please do not feel rude. That's the point of this podcast. We want to have guests on every episode. You don't have to know us to get on it. We just had trend, but. we just had a lot of people who are in our life who are you know Disney is important to them which is why we've had a lot of guests of people that we know but we've also had people we don't know so don't please don't feel intimidated to reach out to us to ask to be on an episode um, so if you go to that pinned post in our Facebook group discussion you can see everything that's available and you can comment or you can email or message us and let us know what you want to be in. We super love meeting and talking, meeting via Skype or whatever. I mean, we'll meet you in real life, too. We're done with that. But we love meeting new people on here and discussing all things Disney and just, it's a lot of fun. So don't deny yourselves some fun. Don't deny us some fun. Just ask. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. Make sure to watch Rob Roy the Highland Rogue ahead of next week's episode. Whatever that is. And don't forget, adults are only kids grown up anyway. Welcome.